welcome Faith Promise Church. We just celebrate what God did last weekend. Without a doubt, the best single weekend we've ever had in the history of our congregation. God is just blessing 147 people baptized. We've baptized 15 more this weekend at Pellissippi alone. Uh, so it has been amazing. Whatever campus you're at, it is just a thrilling deal of all that God is doing. I remember, I still remember asking God, Father, could there ever be a year that we could baptize 100? And, and we're just about at 500 so far this year. So, you know, it, it, we just celebrate. It's amazing. It is just cool. And, uh, and I tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you, I wanted to preach last weekend. I do not like the bench. I'm just going to tell you right now. But didn't Zach do an outstanding job last weekend? One of the things that we notice as we watch people on all the campuses being baptized were probably 80% of everybody that moved forward was a young adult. And what's cool about that is the young adult was preaching. And, and there has to be a correlation. And so for me, 53... I love to run the ball. I love to be in the game. But part of winning now for, for us who are us who are getting older is not just doing it, but it is raising up the next generation to do it. And so we've got to be able to say our win is watching them do it. Amen? And we're committed. We're just wholly committed to the next generation, to raising them up on our staff as group leaders across the board. We, we're just committed. It's a value for us. Now, as we launch into this uh, new series called Normal. Oh, by the way, some of you guys last week wanted to move. There were people walking across the bridge 30 minutes after the service was over. As a matter of fact, we baptized for two and a half hours at the Pellissippi campus alone last weekend. First service really never ended. We had to start the second service late because of traffic. And we were baptizing from the first service well into the second service, and then we were baptizing after 1 o'clock, uh, long after this service. was. I walked 30 minutes after the service was over. I walked in the back, and they were lying all the way down the hall. And I said, well, we're going to be here all day, and that's lovely. And so we were. Uh, but some of you wanted to move last weekend. Man, I wish I'd have gone. Now, we don't have the physical bridges built like we did, but the bridge that Jesus built is always open. And it's open for you this weekend, and we pray that many more walk across that bridge. We want to tell you that we start this series called Normal. We have never worked harder in the history of Faith Promise on a series than we have worked on this series called Normal. It is an alignment. An alignment means that what whoever's preaching on the weekend talks about in small groups, we are taking it to another level. It's not the same message, but it is it is expounding on that at a deeper level in a small group where you can talk about it. And so if you're not in a group, you're going to miss a lot of what God wants to do. So let me ask, if you're a small group leader of any age, would you just stand up every campus? Just go ahead and stand up right where you are. Come on, stand up right there where you are. Let's give these folks a hand. Man, way to go. We're launching 100 new groups in preparation that will be launching some in the last few weeks and some this week in preparation for the series. And so if you're not in one, please get in one. After this service, go to the go out to the Next Steps area. People will help you. Uh, now, if I was to walk up and sit down and have a cup of, cup of coffee with you and said, listen, I want to pray for you, which I do every day as your pastor, but I want to pray more specifically for you. 
So tell me what's the most important thing in your life that I could pray for. What is the absolute number one thing? Over 90% of you would answer the exact same thing. It would have something to do with your family. My kids be saved. My marriage be restored. I need a job to provide for my family. My adult son or daughter is away from God. I, I, it would, would y'all agree that at least 90% of our greatest concern would have to do with our families? Does that, does that make sense? And so this series is vital in the life of the church. What is normal? What am I going to do? Do I even want to go to college? What am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? If mom says pray one more time, I'm going to lose it. I would love to talk to dad about this, but he's never here. I can't wait to get out of here. And this phone is so old and so slow. I want the 5S now. I can't believe I'm missing Jake's party for this. I can't deal with this once a month family dinner. And you know Sarah's gonna be there and she's gonna be all over him and that should be me. It should have been me. I can't believe I didn't get that raise. I don't know how I'm gonna pay for everything this month. Why did we get that new car? She's gonna think I'm a failure. He already does. No wonder we haven't had sex in three months. Another long night on the internet. It's been a long three months. If he would just show me that he cared, I would be all over him. Maybe he doesn't find me attractive. I don't blame him. I don't have time to go to the gym. We're all just so busy. It's like I'm eating with strangers. It's like I don't even have a family. I wish they were my family. I can't even provide for my family. How am I going to keep this family together? Our family. My family. My family. My family. See, family matters more than most of us realize. It matters more than we, than we actually get. If you're a young adult, let me talk to you. If you're, if you're between high school and 30 years old, let me just talk specifically to you for a second as we're entering this series. Because a lot of times, young adults say, well, I don't need a family series. I'm not married yet. Well, I want you to listen, young adults, and I love you. I, don't, I, I do, man. I care about you. We want a 1,000 more young adults, but this is, this is the deal. Between 18 and 30, you're going to make the bulk of the biggest decisions for your whole life. You're probably going to make the big three. Who are you going to marry, most likely? If, are you going to be saved? And what are you going to do with your life vocationally? Now, would you would y'all agree those are big decisions? So you're going to make those decisions, and you don't have any experience in life. And, and listen, I love you. Come on, don't run out the door. But if you don't have any experience, you don't have any wisdom. Is that right? Come on. Come on, is that right? And so this is the deal. So you're going to be making these huge decisions without, if, you don't, if you're not involved in a church and have older, mature believer, believers around you who can help you. Because I've had people walk up to me, you know, I have young ladies walk up and say, hey, I want to see so-and-so, man. We're going to get married. And I look at them and say, are you kidding me? This guy's a loser. 
And he'll walk away and I'll say, can I ask you a question? Does he work? Oh, no. How long has it been? Well, it's been a couple of three years. He wants to move in with me because he didn't have any money. <laughs> Excuse me? Is anyone at home? Yeah, but after we get married, he's going to go to school, and then he's going to get a job. Probably not. See, listen, it, you, it doesn't get better after dating. See, dating is as good as it gets. So if they're not romantic and they're not meeting your needs, listen, when you get married, it's not going to get any better. If he's not romanticizing you now when he wants you, what's <laughs> help me, Jesus, help me, wake up somebody, somebody. <laughs> I watch it all the time and I think, what's wrong with you? You're about to just, you're about to make your life suck. I'm telling you, because see, you, give me a minute. See, this is the deal, because if you have a great family, life's going to be super. You're going to face issues, but you're surrounded by people who love you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to they're be there for you. But if you marry badly, listen, it's horrible. Life sucks. And if you're, you're one of the 5,000 plus people that's this week, you listen, and your marriage is not good, you only see two options. Either stick it out and hate your life or divorce them and hope to get, you know, get happy later. Listen, there's a third about God moving in. Was that an option? Yes, it's an option. And so in this series, we're going to talk about how your family can be better and how God can be more honored. Listen, as your pastor, I love you. We love you. And we are burdened for you and your home. And, and what God is doing in your life. The scripture is so clear for me. I'm, I'm reading Ezekiel right now in my quiet time. And God is just pounding the shepherds who don't take care of the sheep. He is just blistering the spiritual leaders. And man, I lay, I said, God, help me take care of faith promise. Help me teach them well. Help me to, matter of fact, this weekend, let me tell you what I want to do. I want to wash your feet this weekend. I want to take the word of God and do what Jesus did for his disciples. In John 13, there's a story that Jesus is having the Last Supper with the disciples. And he said, I, I've, I've looked forward to this, guys. And, and many of you know the story. In the middle of dinner, nobody had washed anyone's feet. And so Jesus gets up and puts a towel on, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. And they're indignant. They can't believe it. He gets to Peter in, in John 13, verse 7. He gets to Peter, and Peter punts and says, Not happening here, Lord. He said, Not me, man. You'll never wash my feet, verse 8. If I do not wash your feet, then you have no part of me. And Peter said, oh, oh, good. My head, feet, whole body. Go ahead, Jesus. Take off. Get off. Get with it. And Jesus said this, and this is what I want us to understand. This is what we try to do every week in every series, but so, 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 so listen. Listen. Jesus said, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but he is completely clean. And you're clean, but not all of you. See, in, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, my Bible's falling apart. God, I hate to get a new Bible. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says this. Let us draw near. It's talking about coming into the presence of God. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So when you're saved, you are washed from all your sins, right? Your iniquities, have, have, man, they're gone. Though they be red like scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as snow. So you are bathed. You're bathed. And so Jesus said, but you guys have been walking around, and now your feet are dirty. Your feet are dirty. 
You don't need to wash your body. You just need to wash your feet. Now, back then, they didn't have, you know, Chuck Taylors. They didn't have, you know, Reeboks. They didn't have, you know, Gucci. They had sandals. You walk down a dusty road, your feet get dirty, so they wash your feet. Now, I was just praying for you guys a couple days ago and thinking about this series. And this is the deal. See, our, if you're born again, our sins are washed away, right? But every day your feet come in contact with this world. If you missed the Fun House series we did, go online, fake promise, and get it because it'll help you understand the world that we live in. But every day your feet come in contact with the world. And when your feet come in contact with the world, they're contaminated. Let me, I'm going to give you four ways, just quickly, I'm going to just roll these off. Four ways that the world contaminates us and messes us up. And so even though we've been sprinkled clean, even though we've been born again, we need our feet washed. We need to be decontaminated by what the world has done to us. One is that when you have been contaminated by the world, it taints your thinking. And wrong thinking equals wrong actions, and wrong actions means that you screw your life up, right? It taints our thinking. We don't have a biblical worldview. We have a worldly worldview, and it's going to mess us up. And see, once you have tainted thinking, it obscures your outlook. When you begin to look to the future, you don't look Godward, you look worldward. You don't look like it's going to get better in faith. You look with a negative view. You don't think your marriage will get better, your business, your finances, your ministry, your, pop, your quiet time, your kids, whatever. It obscures your outlook. When your outlook is obscured, it creates wrong images. Number three, wrong images. You begin to have images of what life is supposed to be like. You begin to think of things, you know, in the world's way. Guys, if you're looking at porn, you're looking at Victoria's Secrets, all that, you're looking at that, and then you're looking at your wife and saying, my wife is supposed to look like this. Less than 1% of women look like this, and it's been Photoshopped. Ladies, are you with me? Come on, somebody help me here. But because, guys, you've got wrong images, because you're surfing porn, you're looking at Victoria's Secrets. By the way, she didn't have any secrets. And so you... You're you're looking at all this stuff, and then you bring those worldly images in and say, why doesn't my wife look that? Because she's popped out three kids. That's why she doesn't look like that. And she's cleaning your stinking house and picking your nasty underwear off the floor and your stinking whiskers off the sink, and she's working all day taking care of you, and you say, why doesn't she look like that? Well, hey, Bubba, you don't look like Mr. Atlas either. As a matter of fact, you don't have a six-pack, you've got a keg, and you want her looking like that. Let's work on some of this right here. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. You see, this, this is what we do. We get all these worldly images. You see, because our, our thinking's tainted, our outlook is obstructed, we get the wrong, well, my sex is supposed to be like this. Not if you learned it from porn, it's not. Well, my house is supposed to look like this, and my hip, my, I, I, we're supposed to have this much money. And so you get these, you get these, this, these wrong images. It creates erroneous expectations. And when you have erroneous expectations going in, it doesn't work out like you want it. Then the famine crashes, it burns, casualties, and can I tell you, the collateral damage is hellacious. Does that make sense? So what's normal? What, what is normal? What, what is it? So what I want to do is I, I want to take the Word of God and wash your feet. And I want to help you wash off all the contaminants of the world so that you can see what is biblically normal. What is it? What's the deal? To clarify, and can I tell you, it's not modern family. It's not modern family. See, we're educated, we're, we're entertained by the world, therefore the world changes our images. Because let me tell you, Hollywood is opposite to biblical, it's opposite, it's, it's totally oppos- in opposition to biblical exposition. And so the world says one thing is good, we get wrong images and it messes our, our prayer for you in this series, listen, this is just introductory message. Our prayer for you 
is that God injects your life in this series with such faith that you walk in the freedom that Jesus bought for you on the cross. He shed his blood. He died for you. Many of us think, well, yeah, he died for me so I can go to heaven. No, he died for you so that you can live victorious on this side of heaven. Are you with me? He died so that we could walk in power. He died, died, not just to punch our ticket. I don't know where this stuff comes from, but people say, well, I'm saved, therefore I'm not supposed to have any problems. Have you read a verse of the Bible? Most people, listen, before you were saved, you were on the devil's team. And now you've given your heart to Jesus, all hell will be unleashed. I've had people walk in and say, Pastor, I don't get it. I didn't have other problem. I got saved, and man, the world's against me. Well, of course it is, because you're not on the world's side anymore. You're on God's side now. And the world's going to break bad. It's going to, and everybody, you know, it's just it's what it's going to do. So, it, biblically, it's not just about you being saved. It's about your family being transformed. Acts 16, 31 Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your oikos, the Greek word for household or family. I want to make a, a strong statement. If you're listening, say I am. If Christianity doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. See, we think we come to church and have this alter ego, this alter, alternate reality experience. We worship, we sing cool songs, we hear a positive message, and we learn a little more about God, and then we leave and we get in the parking lot and we go back to the real world, where we're flipping people off in the parking lot and we haven't even got to Pellissippi yet. Are you with me? I mean, we're trying to get out to beat the Methodist to the Dairy Queen, so man, we're jockeying for position out there. I mean, come on, let people out. Man, what, are, does that make sense? Man, don't wait. Listen, you're not telling them they're number one. And so one of our values as families are our foundation. We work toward this 365 days a year. Matter of fact, in the Bible, the word family and household, 313 times is found. If I would have looked up the other synonyms for family, it would have, it would have numbered into the thousands. And now when I say family, some of you, you smile. Man, that's so cool, man. I love my family. Family's great. Man, I got all this going on. And then others of you, when I say family, you don't smile, you frown. And your stomach hurts a little bit, and your blood pressure spikes, and your pulse rate, it, it, it increases just a little bit. Because, see, family's not a positive word for you. Family is a negative word for you because you got some deep honking scars because of what happened to you in your home growing up. I get it. I was sex abused. I was physically abused. I get scars. I get pain. I get past. I get, listen, I get it. But I want you to hear something. If you're listening, say, I am. Your past doesn't have to determine your future. I grew up in a non-Christian family. I grew up in, this, in, 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 in a pretty negative environment. My family today is a positive environment. See why? Because my past didn't determine my future. But let me tell you something. Listen, look up here. If you don't deal with the pain from your past, it will repaint the images of the future and ruin your life. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Now, if you'll let the Holy Spirit heal, heal your scars, if you'll allow the Word of God to wash you and change your thinking, and again, I'm, I'm just trying to wash your feet to change how you view, how you see to a biblical worldview, God can set you free. And so do you, do, 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 do you believe that God can make your family better? Well, huh? So it's, my, it's our prayer that your faith would elevate. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God that your faith would elevate and you would begin to believe God for greater things. They see, we're praying for what God did for Cornelius and what God did for the jailer in the book of Acts that he would do for your family. 
See, because I believe God could transform your family. Does that make sense? In Acts 10, we find a story. A dude named Cornelius, he was a Roman, he was a centurion, but he loved the Jewish people, he, and he was searching after Jehovah God, praying, seeking God. He built the temple, and then he's praying, and an angel shows up. It's a great quiet time when the angel shows up, right? So just in case you're wondering, that means you've connected well, really well. God sends an angel. An angel shows up and says, hey, listen, listen, Cornelius, God heard your prayers. He's all over that. This is the deal. I want you to send to a, to a port city called Joppa. Go to a tanner's house. And there's a guy named Peter there, and tell send your guys to bring Peter back. And Peter's got a message from me. So we can't wait. Would you be excited to hear that message? Man, you better believe it. So Peter's on the roof waiting for supper to be uh, cooked downstairs. And while he's up there, he falls into a trance. And God shows him all these visions. But at the end, this guy says, hey, Pete, listen, there's two dudes downstairs. They're from Cornelius' house. They're going to ask you to go with them. Go with them. And he says, okay. So, man, the next morning they get up, they go. They get, they get to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius, man, he is, he is he's stoked about this. He's fired up as I would be big time. And so in verse 24, on the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together his relatives and his close friends. He called together his household, his family, his oikos. Because, see, it's not about just you. It's about your family. And man, in the, 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 the Bible puts so much in context of the family. Then flip it over, man. Peter goes in, he's preaching, it's rocking, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed, blown out of the water, could not believe because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, here's Pete comes, preaches, everybody in Cornelius' family gets saved. Man, they, they get baptized, it's radical. Do you think that changed Cornelius' house? No question. Let me, let me give you another one. Acts chapter 16, Peter and Silas were preaching, and they get in trouble for preaching, and they get arrested, and they're beaten with rods, with rods. They're beaten with rods. They're put in the bottom of the dungeon, and they're put, remember the pirate movies? They're put in shackles. Their feet and their head and their hands are shackles. They're bleeding. They're bruised. They're broken. It's midnight. What are they doing? They're worshiping. Now let me ask you a question. Many of you won't worship on a Sunday morning when you come and you're standing here and you're fine. I just don't see how. Is worshiping. Does that look worshipful to you? Scowling, looking at the clock, can't wait for it to be over. It's the, imagine you're in Paul's place. It's midnight, they've been beaten, and they're in, see, most people wouldn't be worshiping, they'd be whining. Wouldn't they? Come on. Some of you know you'd be whining because I know your name. Don't don't mind me call it. Come on. And so what happens? An earthquake rattles. All the prison doors open up. All the chains fall off. Man, and the jailer wakes up and he sees it and he realizes they're all gone. He pulls the sword out to do the hand care deal. He's about to make, yeah, he's about to kill himself. And Paul said, hey, chill, dude. We're all here. It's good. It's all good. It's all good. Don't worry. Be happy. We're all here. That's a, and so, I know I shouldn't sing. And so, and so in Acts 16, verse, Acts 16, verse 30, and the guy fell in and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? When was the last time somebody walked out, fell on knees in front of you and said, what do I have to do to be saved? Well, that's what happened. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your oikos. Now, so what did he do? He took Paul home that night, gave, you know, washed him, put bandages on his wounds, he and Silas, 
they preached the whole family got saved and baptized that day. Do you think that changed the jailer's outlook on life? You better believe it. See, it's all about what God is going to do in your life. Can God transform your family? Can God transform your family? Now, do we believe this Bible? I'm about to give you the will of God for your family. Well, don't you think that's a little presumptuous, Pastor, the will of God for my family? No. Is the Bible inspired? It's inspired. So then if you find a prayer inside the inspired Bible, is that the will of God? Do you believe that? So I love to pray biblical prayers. There's like three in the book of Ephesians alone. And so they're the, they're the will of God for my life. And so I'll tell God, hey, God, this is what you want for my life. This is what I want to. Let's get together. Hook this up. And so in context of your family, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Paul is praying, from whom every what? Every what? Family, in context of your family, every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. How much glory does God have? I'm thinking a ton. Would y'all agree with that? How'd you like to have some of the glory of God on your home? It's the will of God. God wants his glory to be poured out. So, some of you guys work late, don't want to go home. You're going everywhere. Why? Because your home is not a sanctuary. Man, it's a war zone. Mom and dad screaming, yelling, kids screaming, all this kind of stuff going on. Nobody wants to live in that. But everybody wants to be where the glory of God is. That's why I like the house. I don't ever want to leave. I love to stay there while the glory of God is on my house. Jehovah's Shalom is there. I built a back deck and put a fireplace. It's the holiest place on the planet. Man, I'm out there with God every day, and I love it. Are you with me? And I'm asking every day, God, do your will. Fill my house with your glory. Everybody that comes over here, let them feel your glory. All my friends, all of our small group, everybody, God, would you let them feel your glory? Does that make sense? Would life be better if there's some glory of God in your house? That's four of you. Would it be better? We're just now getting started. That he would, that he would grant you according to the riches of the glory to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man. Listen, God says, I want you to be a warrior. I want you to be a spiritual stud. I want to strengthen you in the inner man. So much of what happens in conflict, and we're going to talk about how to fight fair in this series, and nobody want to miss that weekend, but so much of the conflict that happens in our home is because we can't control our fleshly desires. You're surfing porn. You can't control your anger. Man, listen, there's nothing worse than living with a rageaholic. I grew up, I understand living where you never know what's going to happen next, where what word you're going to say is going to set them off. Man, temper, all this kind of stuff, greed and jealousy and all the stuff that goes on. See, God wants to strengthen you in the inner man so that you overcome that. So when you go home, it's a sanctuary. It's the peace of God, the power of God, the presence of God. It rocks and people are drawn to your homes. That makes sense. Come on, somebody help me. This is the will of God. This is his will, that you be strengthened in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, that, man, your feet, your foundation are absolutely just grounded into the love of God. Matter of fact, one of the reasons that I love my house is everybody lives there loves me. Some of you live in a place where not everybody there loves you. They say you love you, but you don't feel it. You know what I'm talking about? See, we're, we're believers. Any believers in the house? We're, su hey, we're supposed to be rooted and grounded, dug deep in love. 
that when somebody squeezes us, we just ooze out agape love of God. Listen, when you're in the traffic jam and people are mad and they don't go and folks are honking the horn and they're flipping you off, does love ooze out? Oh, go right ahead. Is that what oozes out? Come on, people ride with you. They know the real truth. No. See, and it doesn't ooze out at home either. But it's the will of God that love would pour out from us. Does this make sense? I could spend forever right here that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. If you knew how much Jesus loved you, life would be better, your home would be better automatically, that you may be filled to the full, all the fullness of God, that every cell and your whole being would be just saturated, supernaturally, dominated, permeated, covered with the power and the glory and the love of God. That's His will for you. He said, I saw what I'm experiencing because you don't believe he can. And we're asking God to elevate your prayer, but your faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm telling you what God said is his will. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works mightily within us. Listen, God said this. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. God said this, that he wants to do more. He can do more than you can ask or think or imagine. And so if your marriage is not good, you can't imagine that God can make it better. If your life is messed up, you can't imagine that God has moved. If, you're, if your prodigal kid is gone from God, you can't imagine that God can bring you back. If you need a job, you just can't imagine that God provide. If your sex life sucks and you're married, you can't imagine that it could ever be good and it can be gooder than good if God's in it. God wants you to have good sex. God wants you to have a great relationship. God wants you to have a great family. God wants you to walk in power. God loves you and he wants to bless every area of your life. Some of you are thinking, did he say God blesses my sex life? That's what he said. Oh, come on. Woo! Praise God, one brother's getting this. So this is the deal. Come on. Come on. Believe. Listen, when, when my kids were little, I couldn't imagine Zach standing on the stage and preaching to 5,300 people and seeing 147 people get baptized. When Micah was a terror, a holy terror, still is, but when he was a holy terror, I never imagined he'd be over there on his face at the University of Tennessee begging God to have a way that faith promised would radically change that campus forever. Man, I never dreamed what God would do with my daughter, Faith. I never dreamed that God would give me great a great son-in-law, a great daughter-in-law who's going to give me our first granddaughter soon. And then God is big. I believe that Micah could be married one day. I, I believe that. Because, see, God says in Ephesians 3.20, and so I'm counting on God, not Micah, but God. Some of you say, come on, Chris, I just don't know if I can. I don't know if I can buy that. Come on out, Marty, and praise team. We're going to sing a song. We're not going to sing it. Marty's going to sing it. It's not a worship song. It's a reflective song. And so our campus pastors, all of our campuses are coming down. Matt's going to be over here. Chuck's going to be over here. There's other people going to be down here. And some of you say, Chris, I can't believe. I just, I just can't believe it. Well, can I tell you something that Chuck Carringer, our family pastor, walking down front right there, he's got enough faith for you this weekend. And Chad over here, our celebrate pastor, he's got enough faith for you. Because it wasn't long ago that Chad was a meth head and his life was falling apart and he was going to lose his family. Today, he's a pastor at Faith Promise Church because of the power of God. And 
Matt Grimes, who's coming up here, we have faith to believe that God could change your family. You say, I don't have, I don't have that faith. Take some of ours. Please take some of ours. Because in this series, we're believing God to do radical things. So these altars are going to be open for you to pray. You can come get one of these folks. These men or women to pray for you. And we had to call elders out last service just to come. And while people were leaving, people were still coming to the altar being prayed for. Listen, it's the will of God that your family rocks. Amen? You said, Chris, you just don't know what we've been through. I'm telling you, God is bigger than your past. He's bigger than your pain. He's bigger than your problems. Our God is the all-powerful creator of the universe. And there's nothing you face that's too big for our God. And so come on. Let one of these folks pray for you. Maybe you meant to walk, you wanted to walk last weekend. Just walk down and tell one of these folks, hey, I need to be saved. I need to be baptized and let us help you. Amen. Come on, church. I just want to wash your feet. We want more for you. Listen, we want more for you than most of you want for yourself. Because we believe every page of that book. Holy Spirit of God, would you right now hinder the lying tongue of Lucifer? And would you move in glory in these next holy moments in Jesus' name?